Hi everyone. On this episode of the Restless Podcast, we had the amazing opportunity to interview the founder of Impact Events, Christina Ferreira. On this episode, we were able to discuss the importance of mentorship, events that are becoming to the Okanagan Valley, and the journey of how she started Impact Events. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Restless Podcast. Hello everyone. This is Jonah Boston. I'm with my co-host Raphael Law, and this is the Restless Podcast. On the Restless Podcast, we interview the most impactful leaders in the business world, starting in our home base of Kelowna, British Columbia. Our mission is to provide our listeners with topics around modern-day business and entrepreneurial methods to help you execute your goals in life. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Restless Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Jonah Boston, and welcome to The Restless Podcast. Today, we have the privilege to be interviewing Christina Ferreira, the founder of Impact Events. Christina, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. No problem. This is... uh, this has been an amazing journey, and like I said, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving me your time. Um, first off, before we start the podcast, I did a little bit of creeping, and I want to talk to you about your dogs. Oh, they're my kids. <laughs> Good <laughs> job. Good tell, research. Tell, tell us more. Tell us more. Um, well, I have two dogs. I love them both. Uh, they're Border Collie Crosses. I have uh, my older one, which is my baby. She is 11. Her name is Grace. And she is definitely an office dog. She comes and goes. She's traveled all over BC with me to different events that we put on. And then I, because she's aging, about a year and a half ago, I got her sister. So that's Penny. Oh, okay. That, that's where Penny comes in. It's funny. Uh, I was talking to my roommate this morning. He goes, hey, uh, you do realize that Grace and Penny have more followers on Instagram than the rest of the podcast does, right? And so I was like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, <Perfect>. they do. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Right on. No, that's awesome. So to begin the podcast here, we just want to ask, let's bring us through um, your upbringing. You as, a, you as a kid, you growing up in high school, the whole journey. Okay, yeah. So I am born and raised in the Okanagan. So I grew up in Oliver. In, um, which is a little small town outside of Suez for those people who may not know. So it's about an hour and a half south drive here. Uh, so grew up there. I grew up on a fruit orchard. So very entrepreneurial, hardworking background. Nice um, fruit. Yes, <laughs> fruit. Uh, for sure. That's great. And then I moved to Kelowna in 1995 to go to school. So I went to Okanagan College. Back then it was Okanagan University College. And I started, I took a marketing degree. So I took business with a major in marketing. And then I, after graduation, I started my career path, which was um, 2002. I started working with Okanagan Wine Festival Society. So that's kind of where I got uh, to take my history and being part of a farmer, use my marketing knowledge and get involved in this uh, industry that was just starting to boom. Okay. So that's been fun. Um, I was there for 10 years. During that time, I started my own company, Impact Events, as you know, and then I've been doing that ever since. All right, on. Uh, so bringing it back a little bit and going through your upbringing and then high school, you, you went to uh, high, school, say high yeah. school in Oliver? Yeah. Um, and you went to university at Okanagan College. Uh, describe your experience at OC and the type of you know aspects and characteristics it may have taught you that may have converted to what you do today. So what I learned going to OC was a lot of my instructors were actually business owners. So they were able to bring their experience beyond what we learned in textbooks. Um, So it was great to have that. They served as great mentors. And actually how I started with Okanagan Wine Festivals was 
the individual that was involved was one of my instructors in university. Okay. So that's kind of how I got involved in that organization. But the community of Okanagan College, the people that I met, and the skill set, what I really liked about um, what they taught you or taught me back then was the small business aspect. Okay. So, which was great because that, you know, being a, coming from a small town mm-hmm. with the vision of owning my own business one day, that just kind of all tied in well. Okay, good. Did you have any mentors when you went to Ogon College? Like anyone like teaching you aspects of business like while you were going to school? Um, while I was going to school, there were a couple of instructors that I really relied on. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mentors really came when I started my career. Okay. Any friends that you met along the way as well that may have had an impact on your career today? Friends? Um, oh, definitely. Um, a lot of them are people who are industry or have worked with that have now become friends. It's mm-hmm. all, it's very, we live in a city that I've seen grown quite a bit right. since I moved to Kelowna, but it's right. still a very small community, which is great. The city's amazing. Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about kind of how Kelowna is converting into such a tech hub. It's insane. Like the amount of startups that are going on here right now is absolutely nuts. Oh, I agree. It's impressive. And it's great because we're able to bring Kelowna and put us more on the map around the world. Right. So, and that also gives me an opportunity for the work that I do to engage and embrace some of these um, socialpreneurs and entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and bringing them part of what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. It's awesome. Right. And I was talking to... um, I was talking to a close friend of mine and he mentions like Man, Kelowna is like turning into like a small Silicon Valley. Like it's like, oh, totally it's is. insane. <laughs> and people are just moving here to start businesses. And, and um, a lot of people who want to come in here and apply for jobs and actually work for someone, it's a lot more difficult. It's a lot more like, it's like an almost easier entry of like starting your own business and being an entrepreneur in Kelowna. Because once you start something in Kelowna, everyone knows about it. It's just, it's crazy, right? It's, it's like a big, small town, but the connections are so tight in the, in the entrepreneurship community, in the tech community here. It's, it's ridiculous. I completely agree. And I think a big part of that has to do with the communities that are being built. So for example, like right now, we're doing this interview in Colab. Yeah. And Colab is where I have an office and there's, I don't know the exact number, mm-hmm. but there are definitely probably nearly a hundred entrepreneurs that work and come and go and work out of this office. So it's great because I've been able to meet new people that I can work with because you learn the different skills and some of these businesses that are operating in here, I'd never heard of. So it's a really cool environment. So we're, I think that that's what's helping with the entrepreneurs and bringing that more into Kelowna. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure that a couple of years ago, stats were released that Kelowna is the entrepreneurial capital of Canada. It has to be. If it's not, it should be, and we're going to designate that right now. Or on like a success side, like like a, in a place like Vancouver, there might be a lot more startups just size, just because of the capacity and the amount of people that are there, but the amount of businesses that succeed maybe at a different rate. That's a good point. You're probably right. Right. Just it's just crazy how much you know when when I see business startups you know start up here in Kelowna, everyone knows about it and it just launches. Like, it's insane. Like, like we started this podcast about a month and a half ago. And we've had amazing people on. And um, the traction that we were able to get is, is awesome, too. Um, but so moving on to... Um, actually, I want to talk a little bit more of, of you in, in college and in university. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your hardships like? Like, did you ever go through a point where you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing sometimes? Am I on the right path? Am I taking the right subjects? What's going on? Have you ever experienced that? Oh, I of, know course. I have. <laughs> of course. Of um, course. 
I definitely the whole time I didn't even know what I just went to school and I thought you know what I'm going to go to business school because I have an entrepreneurial background no idea what was going to happen four years later right um picking even the stream that I wanted to go what did I want to major in and I thought okay I'll just play it safe because marketing is safe and I honestly thought I was going to be someone who moves to the big city works for a big corporation that was my lifelong goal and then you get your first job and then you learn what your skill sets really are and then that just changed everything for me talk about the importance of leveraging or leaning on your skill sets to do something. I know a lot of people we've interviewed, we've, they've talked about, if you know you love it, you'll do it for a long time. Like, do you believe in that? Oh, that's 100% yeah. what I say. If yeah. you, for me, the big thing is, if you aren't enjoying it, then you should quit and find something that you do. Right. We spend so much time, and even as an entrepreneur, every entrepreneur can relate. There are times you're working 80 hours a week. Yeah. So there's definitely pros and cons of being self-employed. But you have to love what you're doing if you're going to spend that much time doing it every day. Right. And kind of relating to what you do now with um, managing events and all that stuff, were you like an events person back then? Like when you were going to school, like do you love going to events and do you see yourself like attracted to that type of environment? No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. So I am now, but I never thought that I'd be an event planner. Um, which is, I'm glad. And part of it had to do with just getting that first job and learning what my true skill sets were and building that. And I do really like going into some places and being recognized by everybody. So I'm kind of like a small town celebrity sometimes, which is kind of a nice feeling. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the times when you just want to run and hide, but which is fine too. Everybody has days like that. And, but yeah, no, I, event planning wasn't at all what I thought I was going to do. Right. Okay. So let's move on um, to your years right after university. Let's talk about the first couple steps and uh, the steps you took to make your first job happen and how you got your job at Okanagan Wine Festival Society. Okay. So I had a couple jobs before that. Basically, when you graduate university, you will go work wherever will hire you because you need to no pay idea. off your loans. No yeah, 100%. And you don't know what you're good at and you just start going by book smarts. So I did work for a couple of jobs, including doing some sales for um, a high-tech company. And with 9-11, when the crash happened, so did all of our jobs happen. So then I sat there going, what am I going to do? And then that's where um, one of the instructors that I had in university and I had connected because I had applied for the job at Okanagan Wine Festivals and right. he was managing it. And that's sort of how that all became about. So I started there oh, in 2002, quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those two, so Blair Baldwin and Alan Tozer, who yeah, were the, yeah, yeah. the faces of the organization for all of those years, they ended up being my mentors. And I learned so much from them, from yeah. business sense, from skills that we had worked on in university to how to do the job as an event mm-hmm. planner. Mm-hmm. Right on. What was the biggest aspect that you learned from those mentors that converted to what you do today? Is there anything specific that might pop in your head? You're like, holy, I use that all the time and thank God for them. So um, a lot of it is the building of the relationships right. and budgeting. Like uh, I was not budgets. I hated money. Like I just, I no don't know. No one looks Nobody, at money. Yeah. It's like I'm not looking at my <laughs> bank account today. I'm an entrepreneur. I know I have negative dollars in my bank account. <laughs> well, and that's definitely how it started for sure. And so now that's learning that skill has helped me help my clients. Actually, it's always the first question that I ask. 
That's is, awesome. Yeah, so that was a big thing. Um, and learning, the big thing that I had learned and I've always kept, and I still to this day, even after all these years being away from them, was the fact that you always find your core client. Mm. So the one that's going to pay your bills, the one that's going to make sure that you can survive if you have nothing right. else. And then the rest is gravy. Mm-hmm. So it might not be my favorite client, um, but it's definitely one or the funnest project, but it's one that I can utilize my skills, still enjoy, right. um, because that's the big thing, like I said earlier, you wanna make sure you love your job, yeah. and then everything gets paid, and then I get to pick and choose and do the fun stuff. Let's talk about what a day-to-day would look like um, with Okanagan Wine Festival Society, and, and kind of what that job entails, essentially, but kind of digging into more of the detail of what um, a day would look like there. Yep. So a day there would be everything from building the events and making the schedule for the year, um, communicating with your members or your stakeholders, Mm -hmm. um, going to marketing um, and building it because you have to sell tickets. So there's so many aspects of what it's hard for me to explain what do I do in a day because I probably did a hundred things in a day. Yeah. But those skills is what taught me how to be efficient. It taught Mm -hmm. me the need that marketing and you have to evolve with the times. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned how to use social media while working there. I learned how to write a media release while working there and build the relationships with sponsors and ticket sales with consumers and working with your stakeholders. During your time there, um, what were the biggest obstacles that you faced when you were working there? Did you ever come to a point in time when you were working there and, and you were saying, I doubt myself right now? You know, I'm I'm looking at my abilities and I'm looking at my confidence and I don't think I could do this. There was definitely times, especially in the beginning. Right. Um, part of that just had to do with lack of con- confidence right. and lack of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was always, or dealing with media and doing media interviews. I think my media interviews were horrific in the beginning and probably painful for the people interviewing me. So it's, there was times that and budgeting or you want to take that risk and you never know. That's the thing with a new event. Mm -hmm. And I am one that has had events that have failed. Um, You want, you have this idea, you don't know if the community is going to embrace it. You can't build something and they will come. There's a lot of work behind it. And there was definitely times that ideas would be put forth and I was like I don't actually know if this is going to work so for this is speaking to students that are um, graduating I know a lot of students are graduating right now and it's coming to that point now where they've just graduated Um, is there any advice that you could give to them with regards to finding jobs and the proper way to find not only a job that they love because that's going to be extremely hard as soon as they get out of school um like i said you never know what could happen but what advice can you give to them when trying to find their job like is it do you give advice for going in person uh do a lot of networking what's kind of your uh thoughts on that so I think first is you have to have patience because I agree. Like I had several jobs before I found the one that was meant for me. Um, So have patience. Definitely get out and network. It is this community is very much who you know or who you might know. Have the confidence to contact people by email, Mm -hmm. set up a coffee, ask for advice. There's a lot of people that have been doing this for a long time that want to be mentors or or at least sit down even if they don't have time to be a mentor for you long term sit down like i know i get inquiries all the time of people who just want to have a quick phone chat ask about what it's like if they were to do this what kind of jobs that i would see for them that sort of thing so get out there and 
go. Um, in person, people are really busy. So to right. just stop at someone's office to see someone, you're probably going to get hit by a lot of walls. Yeah. But follow them on social media, engage mm-hmm. with them, and try to in- start that conversation. Right on. What's your thoughts on paper resumes? Is that old school? Is that out the window? Or just pe- like, 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 be honest. Like as a industry owner or a company owner, I want people to know, am I wasting my time with a big company bringing in a paper resume? Is it just going to get crunched up and tossed in the garbage? Probably. Right on. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's the reality. Get creative. Right. Digital is the way to go. Um, I know for me personally, I receive emails right. from email resumes. And even if I don't have a position now, I always put them in a folder that says resumes so that when the time comes, because especially if there's someone that stood out, yeah. if you send me a paper resume, I'm not putting printing it out and putting it in my file effects. Okay. It's going in the recycling because I'm like everybody else want to be green. Um, so it also shows that you want to be green too. What kind of uh, like outside the box things are you looking for in a resume? Like if something's going to pop out at you, like what's it going to be? Is there something that you've experienced in the past? Like what, what maybe something weird? Uh, well, nothing weird, <laughs> but I have had some like... Mail you something? Yeah. No, no one's mailed me something. Maybe someone should try. You might get my attention actually. <laughs> Um, cause I have done that for event launches. I've right. sent out weird things to media. So, oh, yeah. but that's possible. I, stuff that stands out is just the creativity. Um, especially for what I do, mm-hmm. it's create, like it is all about being creative and making sure that every event is different from the last event. So it's not cookie cutter. Right. So making sure you're not cookie cutter. I don't want a white resume yeah. of white paper with just black ink and filled like get creative you make it pretty add For photos sure. add photos add pictures of your dog yes oh <laughs> dogs always dogs win that's awesome okay moving on to impact events uh describe what you do as a company uh your main purpose and kind of your company culture and where do you see it like growing in a sense yeah so my company has um like every other company yeah. had struggles of its own and grown and scaled back and grown again so our company culture is all about um, having life balance. Mm-hmm. So that's really important for me and my team. Uh, our structure right now is I am the CEO of the company and I have one person who's full time. I do bring on someone um, for a summer student that comes in and helps us during sort of a busy time in the summer. So we bring on a student there as well as I have a couple of contractors that I use. Um, so they have certain hours that they complete every week based on various projects. Okay. The company itself is always working on a minimum of five projects at any given time. We work throughout right. the year. Uh, a lot of my clients are either nonprofits or the hospitality industry. So okay. that's just where I've created my niche. Uh, what my company does that stands out from other event planning companies <laughs> is that we actually... Um, when you hire me, you're not just hiring an event planner. You're hiring a marketing and public relations agency as well. Okay. So we're connected with all of the media. We're able to help you with your promotion. So we're our one-stop shop. So we right can on. take your event and help sell it, build awareness. Uh, the other thing that I like to do is I'm a little bit competitive. 
Good. And I like to stand out. Big aspect of entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone listen. Write this down. Yeah. You have to be competitive. Yeah. It, honestly, that is exactly how do you stand out because I have, there's a lot of um, event planners in this community. So for me, it's making sure that we raise the bar in everything that we do. Even when I do an event and then it goes out again, I do it the following year because it's an annual fundraiser. I compete with myself. I need to up the bar from what I did last year because I don't want the people to come back and say, oh, it's just the same, same. So it's always about being competitive, raising the bar, challenging yourself and making sure that we're having fun while we're doing it. That's awesome. Um, So obviously, when you first started this company, um, did you have to pitch uh, to capital investors? Um, And how did you do that? And is there any is there any techniques that you could give to anyone who is maybe starting a business and wants wants to be an entrepreneur, um, but has no capital? So I actually didn't. Um, I'm very grassroots. So small company. I worked from home. I actually would honestly. And here's a piece of advice for everybody. And when I went out on my own after being out in the community, I actually started working in coffee shops. So I would take my computer and I would just sit in a coffee shop, work there all day because I would, chances are I'm going to run into people. And that's how I started to build my client base because I would run into someone that you know, and then I'd go up to them, say hello. They'd inquire, what are you doing now? Let them know that I'm taking on new clients. And then we would start to go from there. Right. Um, So I, because I'm a, service business you don't really require a lot of capital to go right basically i can run my whole company off a laptop that's a treat you could be anywhere yeah and that's the great thing about being an entrepreneur too i was on vacation in mexico just a couple weeks ago and don't tell anyone that she was in her office she was working extremely hard she was not laying on a beach Yeah, you know what though? But my clients didn't know. So actually, <laughs> I just let them know. So yeah, no, that's that's, awesome. that's the great thing too, right? Is yeah. I can be mobile. Right on. So when you first started, what were specific events that you may be targeting at first? What were the clients that you targeted first? And how did that seed other opportunities moving forward? Yeah, so when I went completely out on my own, I started calling my contacts and letting them know. They were people who... For me, during my time with the Wine Festival Society, had said, hey, do you want a job? And I was really happy there. loved it. Um, and I wasn't. So then when I let these people know. So my very first major client was Big White. Sweet. That's not a yeah. bad client. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it was because of the experience that I could bring. So when I reached out to them and I pitched them, it was like, well, you're doing a couple of the events that I have experience in. Let me come in and, and elevate them. Let's improve them. And so we did. What is, um, what's your most targeted niche now though? Like for, for, for events that you want to, or people that you want to become clients, what's your most targeted niche, uh, related to like the most success you've had in the past? Yep. So I basically have three sectors that I go after. Right. Um, so hospitality and tourism, which includes the wine industry. So a lot of the wine industry events as well as developers. So a lot of the new developers that are developments that are being built here in the Okanagan, I'm helping them to build their brand as well as getting their their launch events going and okay. helping them get aware in the community. So with the fastest uh, or sorry with the fast growing pace of Kelowna and how it's changing um, at a very quick rate today, how is it changing your business? 
So my business is growing. Yeah, yeah like crazy I, probably. Yeah, it is actually <laughs> a lot. And there was a lot, um, there was a time in the last few years where a lot of people were um, taking the work that I'm doing and bringing them in-house. And now, like I do think the death of the employee is coming. And so more people are now going back out to outsource. Plus I bring a skill set um, right. that is more cost effective and I have a team. So my de- my work is definitely growing. Right. And um, for people who um, don't know much about impact events, what makes it a lot more different than other competitors maybe in the same sort of market, especially in such a tourist attraction like Kelowna? There's so many companies that offer tours, uh, wine tours, um, event management like what makes your company very unique and special so the fact that i've been doing this for nearly 20 years and have the community connections that a lot of people don't know so i bring the skill set i bring the experience plus i'm okanagan born and raised hey, i've nothing seen, better yeah so better. <laughs> i've seen the okanagan grow i know the okanagan just as well as mm. me, you know anybody who's been here this long and so that kind of helps me stand out. Plus, we are that full service. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go to hire a PR agency, hire a marketing agency, hire an event. We can bring that all together. So it's more cost effective. And I bring the team. So when you hire my company, you're not hiring one person. You're hiring several. Nice. Well, how, do you, um, how do you see events growing in Kelowna? Like, is there a type of culture that is it, like Kelowna is shifting to? Is like I know it kind of used to be like... Like Center of Gravity, for instance, right? That's a that was a big event here in Kelowna, and it didn't have like folk music or or classic rock music or anything like that. It was like EDM and rap, yeah. right? Um, is Kelowna kind of switching in a sense, or is it kind of staying in that type of area because it's such a young crowd? I think that there's a mix. I right. think that people don't want the big, massive events anymore. Yeah, they want something that is active. They want something where they can get the culture, but they don't want to go somewhere where there's three, four, five thousand people. They want to be, it's just too big. And I think that what people like are the opportunity to network, a place to go hang out with your friends that are going to have good beer, good wine, good spirits, and good food. And just good food is so important. So it fun. is. And we have such a good food truck culture that really you can create that that experience that I've just described mm. anywhere. And that's the great thing about the city. So and creating something that's year round, that's cost effective. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish the food truck industry was more like tight. Like uh, there's food trucks like all over town, like in like weird areas. It would be great if we had like a food truck row. A row. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they have one like that. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And now everyone's broke. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And actually, some are getting really innovative going on the food truck. I saw one food truck on my Instagram yesterday, and you can text them your order. What? That's awesome. It's the best thing I've ever heard. I know. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are your favorite events to have as, as a client? And for you, like, if, if, if the client's coming on, they do like a, you want to organize a certain event for them. What's your favorite? Is it, you know, hospitality? Is it music? Like for you, what's what's your favorite? So for me, it would be hospitality as well as charity. So I have a lot okay. of nonprofits that I do for. Yeah. Um, so for, because for, the best part of doing an event for me is seeing that everybody is having a good time because I created that for them. Right. And then for the charity events, um, I just did an event this uh, winter for Koha and... 
we raised almost $500,000. Wow. So <laughs> knowing that in org- I was able to help create this experience and this, it was just the icing on the cake. So we raised that amount of money, but the environment and the experience of the night of was created by me, which was just brought it all together. And that's the kind of stuff that I find rewarding. Do you find it difficult to, to target specific like niche markets here in Kelowna, like elderly or super young or like trying to accommodate to the love of everyone? Do you find it very difficult because of the you know uh, vast age difference there is in Kelowna? It can definitely be a challenge, mm-hmm. especially because cost of living in Kelowna is it can be hard for some. Right. And so making something that is affordable for people to attend that creates that, you know, that array that I can capture as many people in the demographics, but also putting money in my bank account. That, that like, too. <laughs> like yeah. that's, there is a challenge, but it's also how to be creative because realistically there is an event here a week that you can be going to. So how do you stand out? So one of the events that I now own, um, it's been in the Okanagan for a few years, but I've taken ownership of it this year is the Kelowna Wine Country Half Marathon. Nice. So that is for those who want to run it. You can run a half marathon and then there's a afternoon or part of me starts at 930 in the morning. To me, that's already afternoon. If you start running at 7 a.m. that and then we have a post run festival. Mm -hmm. So there's live music, there's beer, wine, cider. And that what I did in order to make it affordable for all of the demographics is I had a really cheap for a month when I launched sales. It was really affordable. Nice. And so that's where you try to capture. So the great thing is like that, that is a larger event right now. I'm at 1500 people, which is great. Um, a lot of people are going to spend their morning and it's creating those experiences that are unique. So people who I also added in a 5k. So if you don't really want to run, you just really want the booze. You just need to do the 5k. Yeah. Just, just please do five. Mind you, 5K isn't no, you know, walk in the park. It's, it's 5K. It's, no, it's, <laughs> it's not. It is actually from Gyro Beach to Waterfront Park. It's actually so, a walk in the park. It is. That's hilarious. Um, so for you as a company, um, what are some that, that people may not know uh, that don't look into events that often? What are some big events that are coming to the area? That are coming? Yeah. That I'm not producing? For you, so, for you, only oh, for, for you. Me? Yeah, so for me, that would be, so I produce, like I said, the Clone yep. Wine Country Half Marathon. The other one that I co-own the Okanagan rights is for Dine en Blanc, mm-hmm. uh, which is a pop-up white picnic. Uh, that's, cool. it's fun. So that one, uh, we're going into our year number seven. That's in July. So ticket sales go on June 1st. And that one we've got, uh, we'll have 1,400 people this year. So it's slowly grown. So that one, and then I actually am doing some events outside of the Okanagan. Cool. Yeah. So let's move on to leadership and culture uh, and describe yourself uh, as a leader and the type of characteristics that you bring as a leader. So I try to be, being a leader is actually hard. It's the hardest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you're self-employed and when you're managing five or six projects at any time, when I have my own workload to do, it like it's a challenge for me. I have definitely difficult days being a leader. I try to coach. I try to teach. I really try to make sure that we've open communication with my team because if I am asking people to do stuff, if I, I don't know that they don't know if they don't tell me. Right. So if I say, for example, hey, Jonah, can you please go 
book this band, if you don't tell me you don't know how to book that band, I'm just going to assume you know how to book the band. So just trying to be really open-minded and communicating all the time is a big thing. And just making sure that everybody does take the time for life balance because it's really easy. And I've even seen that with some of my team. They because you you work all week and then you have an event that we execute on the weekend and then they don't take the time. So everybody becomes workaholics and that's not really the kind of leader that I want to make sure my team is not that. Right, when you were starting up as an entrepreneur, this is outside of business completely. Is there, what kind of hardships did you go through as like a person? I know a lot of people go through the point where they have so much anxiety and it's very, very tough. Uh, and they go through a lot of pressure. Maybe that's external pressure from their parents. Maybe it's from their friends uh, and the expectations and the bar they're trying to set. Do you have any like super hardships that you went through? Oh, uh, definitely. As one should. Yeah. Then you know if you don't, you don't have the passion. So I was definitely struggling. How was I going to pay my mortgage? How was I going to, you know, exactly. My parents were pressuring me too, saying maybe you should go get a job and not giving me necessarily the encouragement. There was definitely the struggle of budgeting month to month, let alone paying mortgage. Or how do you get out and network and let people know that you're available for work, but you don't have the funds to go out and do that. So I would say financially, that was probably the biggest struggle and the stresses and the pressure because Am I making the right choice? Should I be applying? Especially when you're just searching online and you see a really good job and you think, should I just stop my company and go apply for this job? Or do I actually invest in myself and the time and Mm -hmm. do it? And and everything takes time. Everything takes time. Like my company's been around. So I started my company in 2008 um, and I was still with the wine festivals until 2012. So I slowly start to build my company. But when I went solely on my own, in 2012 like I had a few years struggling like I was the one and only I couldn't afford contractors I had to be able to do it all now kind of converting to company culture I know that that is probably the most important thing for a successful company to grow uh, and to scale and to have um, a healthy growth right not just a, a purpose of growth where they're just looking to make money Right. You know, a company that wants to make a, a true impact uh, company culture is very, very strong. Um, describe your thoughts on company culture and how you um, conduct culture in your own business. Yeah. So I exactly that model. Slow and steady fills wins the race. Right. Is kind of the way to I go. That's why I use contractors for so long before I felt it was ready. I'm not all about the money. I'm all about the let's bring you on board. Let's educate you. Let's train you get you confident in your position where you don't have to rely on me and I know I can 100% rely on you and then we add more to the team and just slowly it's not a okay I have five positions let's fill them um the other thing is too is making sure that we do stuff together we meet as a whole entire team let me know your week how's things going so we communicate that and doing team building activities that's so important right yeah Definitely. For us, it's usually after a big event, I take them for lunch or we go to right a spa on. or something. So it's making sure it's totally not work related and let's just relax. And it's me rewarding them for all of the time too, because I can appreciate there's times that I'm slap, sending the messages on Slack or emails at all hours of the night and they're responding, which they don't have to. And I tell them all the time, That's awesome. but they're just as dedicated, which is really great. Great. Right on. Is there a point in the day where um, you like to do meetings 
more than others? Like, are you like a, a group meeting person in the morning? Are you a group meeting person, you know, in the afternoon? What do you do as a leader? In a- so for me, it's usually in the morning before okay. noon, um, because then that gives you enough opportunity to accomplish things still during the day. Right. So if you wait towards the end of the day, then things have to be put off tomorrow. And as we all know, in now the world is email, email, email. Yeah. And so a lot of times I try to get up, like my day starts pretty early. So I get up, um, have a coffee, do some emails, then set my meetings for the day. And then in the afternoon I can accomplish the works. Or for me, ideally, I take my dogs to the park. <laughs> it's such a good way to start your morning. Yeah. So that's like mainly mainly your morning routine. You wake up, uh, you have a cup of coffee. You, are you a news person? Any of that stuff? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm on the news all on checking news all the time. Okay, cool. Um, it's more for me making sure that I'm aware of what's going on in our community because that helps my business and right. just being knowledgeable and just really understanding. Because then I know what others are doing. I can be watching for, on behalf of my clients, I can see what their competitors are doing. So it's not necessarily me focusing on my competitors. It's more focusing on what my clients' competitors are. It makes me better. Like, what's the word? I don't even know. Now I've lost the word. It it's, makes, like, it's like awareness, eh? Yeah, it is awareness. But it makes me a better contractor for them. Right. Um, so then I can say, hey, do you know that this is what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And then we can make sure that we're different because it's all about how can you be different? Because if everybody who's doing an event or everybody who's doing their marketing is all cookie cutter, you don't stand out. I think we uh, we dug into this a little bit uh, in the beginning of the interview and mentorship. Uh, what is the importance of mentorship to you, uh, especially for someone kind of coming out of uh, university and kind of looking for that mentor and someone to lean on and just learn from, even if it's for free? Um, how important is mentorship to you growing as a person? hugely it's probably your number one that will help you i am so grateful to my mentors had i not had those two strong mentors Mm -hmm. i would not be doing what i'm doing today a lot of people say that yeah like mentorship is everything no 100 percent. and i think that it's making sure that you rely on your mentors but not overwhelm because usually the people who are willing to be a mentor are not they don't have a lot of time either but it's making i think it's like it's crucial for you to decide and getting really into the guts of what that career choice is. Like if you want to, you think you want to be an accountant and then you talk to some accounting mentors and then you might realize you do not. You do not want to be an accountant. And you, first of all, had no idea what even an accountant does. <laughs> totally, <laughs> yeah. right? Because we just go by basics on what we learned in school. So that's the big right. thing is really getting to understand. And then you might also discover what you... Like I didn't think, like we said earlier, I didn't think I was going to be an event planner. And then my mentors taught me such as that I had the skill set that I didn't know that I had. Right. And, you know, I was in my 20s, so it's not like I was young right. yeah. um, or that young, but I had, we all had a vision. So I do think that it's, it's important to find a mentor. And if you find a mentor that's free, that's even better, right? Because then they value the mentorship even more. For sure. All right, one last question, and um, this is a question that digs deep into entrepreneurship as a whole. Um, For anyone who wants to start their own business um, or entrepreneurial journey, what is the best advice um, you could possibly give? Go get some experience first. So don't come, especially if you're coming right out of school, don't go straight into being um, starting up your own business. Go find the fields, find the what your competitors are doing go work for a future competitor 
really understand because what you've what we all think is not necessarily what is awesome Christina, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Guys, make sure to check her out on Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, as well as impacteventsca um, on Google. As well, guys, make sure to give us a good old subscribe uh, on the podcast app. Uh, make sure to give us a good rating and follow us on Instagram at The Restless Podcast. Christina, thank you so much for coming on. And guys, thank you for listening to The Restless Podcast.